Dirty for 30 podcast here. We're going to preview the Michigan game. We've got Clayton Safey from the Michigan Rivals site, who is here to join us, uh, talk a little bit about the Wolverines, who have been one of the most impressive teams in the country this year. Uh, Clayton, what are your, tell us about the Wolverines this season. Uh, what's kind of been, uh, what's it been like covering them? Yeah, it's it's been a fun season in terms of uh, just how exciting this team is and how much they're exciting the fan base. Michigan coming off a bad football season, especially, I think kind of really uh, energizes people. Um, so it's been a ton of fun. But um, as far as this team, you know, basically uh, they started the year and they struggled a little bit. They actually went to overtime against Oakland. Uh, didn't really play anybody that challenged them in the or I mean, they got challenged a little bit in the non-conference, like I said, with Oakland, but they didn't really play any high major teams. They played a couple Mac teams and things like that. And, you know, I wouldn't have said coming out of the non-conference that they were, you know, a, a total national title contender or whatever. I wouldn't have ruled out improvement over the year, but then the big 10 season started and it just kind of all clicked at once. And, um, you know, this team has a ton of balance. They have, uh, you know, a lot of different weapons that I'm sure we can, you know, talk about them throughout the, throughout the show, but uh, it, it's been, uh, it's been exciting from a, uh, from a standpoint of there is a lot to write about. There is a lot of storylines and all that. So it's been, uh, it's been a fun season. I'm sure it's been similar with Illinois too. heck of a team. Yeah, it is. It, this is really a fun matchup looking at these two teams. I, I wish Illinois was going to be a hundred percent healthy for this one, but, yes. um, but, uh, but it, it's still great. I mean, I, I think you look at these two teams and you see teams that are, they're two of the probably group that, can win a national title this year. And so I yes. guess at the end of the day, that's what you're looking for, right? Isn't it? Have a team that can compete for a national title. How do they feel about Michigan? How do they feel about them? You know, their chances going in the postseason. I think people feel pretty good. And, you know, especially it looks like they're going to be a one seed unless they were to, you know, lose tomorrow and then drop a couple to Michigan state and lose in the first round or something, and, you know, something pretty improbable um, here at the end, maybe they drop off the one line, but, so I think that kind of helps you because you're, you're playing a 16 seed, which we've seen it once, right? <laughs> Where a 16 seed knocks off a one and um, then you're playing an eight or a nine. And then you're, and then you're going into hopefully, you know, if Michigan fan the, the second week. And I think people feel very good. I think people realize that this is better in team with also some youth uh, that is very, very talented that is not going to be here all that long. And I think people kind of realize that this is the year they need to take advantage of. Jawan Howard's doing a great job recruiting, but um, we all know you bring in a bunch of young guys. They got six guys that are going to be freshmen next year. You don't always know how that plays out, even though they actually have the number one recruiting class, you know, on rivals.com. You don't know how that's going to work. You have a ton of experience. So uh, I'll say this going into the postseason. I think people are ready to, uh, you know, they, they just want this team to capture what they can do. And, and that's at least get to, probably the final four, I would say elite eight or bust at this point. I don't think it's fair to always put a final four or bust, uh, especially when six, seven, eight teams always kind of say that six, seven, eight fan bases <laughs> say final four or bust. It's like, well, somebody can't get there. So somebody's going to be that's kind of where people are at with this. One. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. And that's, and that's what makes it so fun. Right. I mean, it, yeah. the tournament and everything. So, yeah, I, I was telling somebody on a podcast yesterday, I was, I was on and I said, you know, here's the thing you're, you're in the mix and that's what you want every year. If you're in, you're competing, yes. then that's what you ask for, you know, as a fan base or as somebody covering or as a team. So the, the big matchup of right. course, that everybody talks about is uh, up front. Um, you've got, you know, Kofi Coburn, who is, you know, the, 
um, immovable object and Hunter Dickinson, who might be the irresistible force, I don't, however you want to say it. But these are two big guys, two of the two of the best big men. I mean, along with Luca Garza, these are the three best big guys in the Big Ten. And um, doing it on both ends of the floor, they're guys who can, you know, play defense. They're guys who can, you know, block shots. They're guys who can, you know, score. They draw fouls. They, they just do a little bit of everything. And so uh, what, what do you see from uh, Dickinson matching up against Coburn? He probably has not played anybody quite that big this year um so far yeah I, I think it's interesting just as far as hunter dickinson uh like i mentioned beginning of the year they were kind of playing some you know mid-major teams right in the non-conference and everyone was like well wait till he goes up against you know kofi coburn and luca garza and trace jackson davis well <clears throat> he's done well and fared well against the first or trace jackson davis and luca garza kofi coburn's kind of the next guy on that list that he's gonna have to fare against and um I will say this about Coburn. I really like his game. I think that he is a different type of challenge than going up against a Garza because like, uh, you know, last week, you know, Michigan beat uh, Iowa by 22 points. Hunter Dickinson held uh, Luca Garza to six of 19 from the field. One of his worst, you know, games of the season. And he was able to kind of keep feeding from he's than Garza. Well, Coburn, Coburn seven foot Dickinson seven one so they're gonna be just about the same height but Coburn you mentioned it like how just strong and he's what did you say a movable object that's yeah. exactly how I would describe it um and he's just that beat he's that beast down low so uh it's a different style that Dickinson's gonna have to play against um I think he's gonna be up for the challenge I think both guys are gonna have a good game because they're just both really good players and I think it, we're at the point in the Big Ten season where like you know neither guy's gonna get shut down or whatever but they're going to get theirs and it's going to be interesting unless there's foul trouble in there that could throw something off. But I'm just excited to watch it because uh, Hunter Dickinson is a guy that has rose, uh, risen to the occasion time and time again. And Kofi Coburn is a guy that kind of relishes that from what I see from him as well. So uh, those guys are probably thinking about that all week here leading up to the game. Yeah, I agree. I, the one for me, when I look at Michigan, the roster, their, their roster, the guy that's kind of the X factor for me is is Franz Wagner who is Illinois yes. doesn't really have a guy that matches up extremely well with him um well, I and, don't think anybody does <laughs> you might be you might be right um <laughs> he just so versatility you know his ability to shoot the ball his ability to his passing he just does he does everything right I mean um so what what is it what's it how his improvement this year has been probably one of the biggest I guess stories for Michigan and it, talk about his, how his games uh evolved yeah, so he, you know, last year he was he was very good as a freshman. Um, but, yeah, he just kind of wasn't as complete. You know, you, you saw him hit some shots here and there, but he was a streaky shooter. Um, you know, he'd have a game here and there, and he started, get to more, uh, started getting more consistent as the year went on. But, yeah, you said it this year he started off a little slow kind of again, but he's building where he's, he scored 20 or more three out of the last four games. He's starting to shoot the three a little bit better. He's shooting it at 50% over his last five. Um, but that's not even what's the most dangerous about him. I, I would say it, it's the defense for him because he's so long. Uh, he might be like six eleven. They list him at six nine, I believe, but you know, the coaching staff has said like, he's, he's closer to six eleven probably than six nine, which is insane. He grew a couple inches over the off season. He's so <laughs> long that he'll get his hand in passing lanes. He's going the other way. Um, and then you mentioned the passing, uh, they're starting to put him in more ball screens, and he is finding guys now averaging three assists a game, which uh, was not happening last year. And he's hitting some guys where you're like, wow, I didn't even know he saw him because it's Franz, you know, last year as a freshman, 
he wasn't necessarily, you know, have his eyes up or even kind of just knowing where a guy's going to be. It's kind of that evolution, the word you used. Um, but yeah, if, if he continues to shoot it well, I think it makes him nearly unstoppable too. And then he gets in the lane with this high arcing shot that it's just, it's just too tough to stop. As you, as you kind of look at this Michigan, what they've done this, uh, this season, they've, they've won these games so handily. I mean, it's kind of strange. It almost reminds me of, you know, you go back to Illinois in 2005 when they kind of dominated the league and they had maybe one or two close games the whole year. Is there a concern Mm -hmm. that maybe they haven't been in as many tight spots? Um, And and really, you know, even when they lost, they kind of lost by a lot. I mean, the one game they lost, they they had a rough night, you know, Marcus Carr went nuts, but, but I mean, generally speaking, they they just haven't had competitive games down the stretch. Ohio state obviously was a good game, uh, you know, but uh, other than that, I mean, they've they've had a lot of easy games. Is that a concern going into a tournament? Just the the pressure and the, that type of uh, going through that. I think it was probably a couple of weeks ago um, when you looked at how lopsided, you know, everything wasn't like you mentioned the loss even was so it's not like they were down the stretch and faltered it's like I wonder what would have happened if they were in that game and it just wasn't their night like how were they going to respond to the next time when that happened so the the next time was actually the first time really and you mentioned the Ohio State game where they were outstanding down the stretch it was a game where both offenses were lighting it up but then Michigan uh stops them on defense in the last 10 minutes uh, to four of 12 from the field forced three turnovers uh, was able to buckle down on that end and continue to execute on offense and win that game by five. And then Iowa, that was a 22 point win last Thursday, but it was a close game uh, all the way through the first half beginning of the second half. And then Michigan came out and and just kind of blew the Hawkeyes out. Uh, So yeah, there hasn't been that game with like two minutes left. You're in uh, you know, you're in a a mode where it's possession by possession back and forth other than Ohio state where they fared well. So sample size is kind of the issue there. I don't think there's huge concern just because the, the couple times it has been a situation like that. They just never know. And you mentioned going down the stretch in March, uh, all it takes is that one game, right. And you're done. So, I mean, certainly a concern, but I think this Michigan team has enough to, to get it done. But again, do or die, you never know. Yeah, they're old too. I mean, they, they have a lot of guys who've, who've played, you yes. know, a lot of seniors, guys who've been there, you know, and, and you know, just the, really, I mean, obviously Dickinson's really good, but um, he's, he's probably the only freshman who gets a ton of minutes, you know what I mean? The rest of them are all old guys. And so that's, you know, they always say that Matt Painter said it the other day, get old and stay old. That's the way it wins. So in college basketball, so. exactly. Um, so right. as, as, as we look at this, there's been kind of a, this is kind of a budding, it looks like maybe a budding rivalry going forward. You got, you know, Michigan and Illinois, two two top mm-hmm. five teams, uh, number two and number four. And there's been a lot of talk back and forth. And it's kind of been more, it's been, it hasn't been direct, like, you know, it, calling out the other team, but it's been more about li- these little subtle jabs behind the scenes and you know, I think Underwood called it kind of a not really legitimate Big Ten title season because then all the games got played. And then, you know, Howard saying, well, we're different than Nebraska and Rutgers, you know, so we it's kind of a weird dynamic with the COVID pause. So what's the what's the story behind the 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 game? I, the first game gets canceled. It was supposed to be on a Thursday. The women's basketball team played that night. The wrestling team wrestles the next night. And of course, to the outside people, they're like, all right, it just means they, they weren't they want to play Illinois that day. You know, so what, what's the real story behind the scenes there? 
Yeah, well, starting off with, with what you were uh, saying at first, that's what the Big Ten is, right? It's always that little, like, the one guy says one little thing, and then it's the slight the next time you play. And that's what makes it so fun. You remember um, back in 2017 when Maverick Morgan said that um, Michigan was white collar, but it wasn't even – it was kind of more of an innocent remark than it looked on print. So I guess maybe you should fault the guys like us that, that write. But, uh, and then Michigan comes out, and they wear their blue uniforms at home, which they never do because they're blue collar – and they won and then they beat them in the big 10 tournament so like that's the one example i have with illinois that came to mind too when i saw brad underwood's comments today yeah juan juan howard i remember thinking in that press conference like i don't really know what he meant by that i just think he meant like every program's different and whatever yeah uh but yeah it's always that one thing that gets taken um underwood's comments were i I thought were interesting um i i don't really know what to make of them i've always liked brad underwood and everything and I still obviously do. Uh, I just really didn't know what he meant. Um, But uh, speaking, if you want me to go into that game, exactly. um, That was, that was, you know, very interesting. So Michigan, you know, hadn't practiced, hadn't been able to be in their building for 14 full days and had to stay in their apartments and dorms. They got to back to practice just a few days before that game would have tipped. You mentioned the women's team played. I, you know, we haven't gotten an explanation on that. People asked and, you know, Juwan Howard made it clear that it, it was the athletic director and um, in the Big Ten that have the communication on the scheduling. And I know the Michigan women's team had already missed some games, so maybe they needed to get back. Um, and that was kind of the theory. But to be honest, nobody really knows exactly. We just know that the decision was made from an athletic department uh, level with the Big Ten. Um, but I love it in a way because now you're getting the Illinois and Michigan also you're getting now you can feel it underwood said some things we haven't got to talk to Jawan howard uh before this game when he didn't have a press conference today um but i just wonder what would have been asked about that and i will tell you this probably inside that building um in both buildings i'm sure but speaking from a michigan standpoint uh before the ohio state game they were showing videos of ohio state celebrating too long after last game things that maybe their guys said so this team is very in tune with uh, kind of getting that chip on their shoulder and keeping that edge. And I think that's kind of been one of the things that's kept them going this year because they've had so much success, but they almost have that same chip on the shoulder that like Jawan Howard and his teams had when he was a player where there was something where like somebody was slighting them or they had to prove somebody wrong. But that we live for in the big 10. I think you said it at the top where it's like two teams that can get to the final four could win a national championship uh, that have a little bit of beef, whether or not those guys on the team would admit it or not. So tip that thing off. And I wish, I hope Io DeSumo can play. Um, you know, I don't want him to go if he's you know, not a hundred percent or whatever. And, um, you know, risk getting hurt, you know, even further, but man, is he fun to play. And I would love to see uh, that matchup at full strength. Yeah. Well, and, you know, that's one of those things you hate to see a guy like Io not play in a game like this. I mean, that would be, that's too bad. I don't expect right. him to play, um, but okay. you just never know. I didn't expect him to play last year when he came back and, played against Penn state and hit the game winning shot. So I was one of those guys. You just never quite know. Crazy. <laughs> you never yeah. know what to expect. So it's a, it's a doctor's clearing to, to go through, then he'll play. But if not, then he's going to hopefully you can get back for Ohio state at, at worst, but uh, maybe, and maybe we get a rematch in the big 10 tournament final at the end of the day. So, yeah. uh, so maybe that would be good. So as you kind of look at this game, um, that. is there a key to this game for Michigan? Is there like, 
and I, I well, you talked to me in the article, you know, like if, if Michigan, if this happens for Illinois, the, they'll win or what, what is it for Michigan? What is, what is the key when you know that things are going well or when things aren't going well? I knew that question was going to get turned back on me, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, that's a tough question, I guess, because um, the Michigan team, like not to sound like a homer or anything, but it just does so many things well that I think uh, things that they do well would have to go wrong. I think it's not just like one thing, but taking it as what, what does Michigan have to do to win? Um, I would say play defense at the level that they've been playing at. We saw when they almost lost to Ohio state, right? That close game was when they didn't defend very well. Um, you saw Dwayne Washington for Ohio state off for 30. Uh, EJ Liddell had, I think 26. So you're, you're talking about um, some bad defense. Those are very, very good players. Illinois has very, very good players. And if you defend really well, there's going to be guys that can go off for, and that's even without Io DeSumo. When you look at Cove Coburn, Trent Frazier can score and score in a hurry. Um, I really, really like, um, what's his name? The, the, I'm sorry, Curbelo. Curbelo. Yeah, Andre um, Curbelo. I really like him. Yes, as well. Yeah, he is going to be a heck of a player. Um, Adam Miller, oh, there's talent on this Illinois team. If DeSunmu plays, then it's absolutely going to be a battle. But without him, I think Michigan would probably have to shoot the three um, at not a great rate. We you know, have rarely done this year. They've usually hit a bunch of threes. Um, and then defend uh, at, a, at a lower level than they have been. But um, at the same time, this Illinois team's capable enough to, even if you play well, come in and beat you. So uh, that's why it's so exciting. Yeah, I think it's a fun matchup. I, for fans, it's great. I mean, you know, it's guys who cover this. I love seeing the Twitter back and forth. It's actually so – our message – I'm sure your message boards are the yes. same way. You know, they hate Brad Underwood right now. Michigan – all the Illinois fans think Juwan Howard, you know, he didn't want to play the game. And I do think – I think Underwood's more frustrated less with Michigan than he is with the Big Ten, just the way the whole scenario – the whole season has been kind of unfolded and starts back in the fall with football and the delay. I think they're more frustrated with the big 10 than they are with actually Michigan, but Michigan gets to be the brunt of it right now. So, so, um, I right. Think. I guess what, what is the, from your standpoint, I'll to flip, uh, turn the tables on you yeah. and ask you a question. Like what is the, uh, the gripe, I guess, is it just that they didn't get to play Michigan when they were coming off the pause or, or, you well, know, I guess because they're still going to play it. Um, yeah. You know, just kind of curious. Well, Illinois had to – Illinois sat one time for seven days with no games, and they didn't have COVID. And they sat another 10-day stretch when they didn't have COVID. And then last week they had to play three out of five – three days and three games in five days. And um, this will be their fourth game in seven in a week, and all on the – and three of them are on the road. So it's right. kind of like – I think he's just more frustrated with that. You know, five, five, five of the last six are on the road – it and they've really been um it, it's the fatigue and just kind of getting worn down i think that it's a little frustrating i think they're ready for the big 10 tournament and the ncaa tournament just kind of get through this and i think that's what he, his mindset is so and i think he's frustrated when they had 10 days off that they couldn't find a game maybe the maybe having that michigan state game thrown in there or you know a nebraska game thrown in there so you didn't have all these games you know stuffed into this tight window for them at the end so right. okay so it is kind of with yeah. Okay. So it is kind of with the Big Ten, but then Michigan was the one that they were going to play in that in one of right. those stretches. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's Michigan just happened to be the team. I, I'm glad play. it's played out that way. Yeah. Right. 
right. this, okay. this is fun. So there this you go. Fun. I mean, that's what makes it fun. I mean, and, and I like Brandon. Yeah. 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 They got, so you got the top. I was two just teams. gonna say I, I like Brad Underwood and, and he's a hell of a coach. So yeah, no, I, I think, and I will tell you this, Sorry, Juwan, we got a little delay, but yeah, you're, we're ahead. fine. Juwan Howard's been the guy who for me has been the most impressive coach in the big 10 this year. Um, you know, his ability to not, obviously we, I expected him to recruit well. Uh, the question obviously coming down, but he worked for Spolstra, who I think is one of the best coaches in the NBA, obviously. And so uh, Howard, Howard's been under some great guys. He played at a high level coach. Now he's coaching at a high level. He's been really impressive to me. And I, I when he got the Michigan job, you know, you, you basically are going from who I thought was maybe the best, best X and O guy in the country and John Beeline to a guy, well, he'll recruit better, but can he win? Well, he can coach. And having Phil Martelli on staff doesn't hurt, but Juwan Howard's a good coach, and he's gonna. this is going to be a great rivalry for years to come, it looks like to me. Yeah, and I agree with you on John Beeline. I think that's why it was kind of like, all right, Beeline's gone, and you can't really expect anyone to come in and be any better than him. Like you said, he might have been the best X's and O's or in talent developer in the country, you know, he wasn't recruiting at, at as high of a level. I thought Juwan Howard would recruit a little bit better, but at the same time, you got to win games and it's tough. And Beeline started to recruit a little better as he won more. Um, so it's all feeds on itself. You're playing high level programs like night in, night out against Ohio State, Michigan State, Illinois, the Purdue's of the world, Indiana when they're good. Wisconsin's always, you know, at least halfway decent, right? They're kind of collapsing right now. But so it's, it's scheming up in the middle of the year. You can recruit in the off season, whatever. And John Howard's proven to be more than up for that challenge. Uh, they had a rough stretch last year in January where people were like, all right, you know, I don't think people were at the point of, is this going to work? But it was at the point of, all right, we are taking a significant step back uh, this year. He has a ton of talent, a lot of veteran guys, uh, which doesn't hurt, but some of the sets they're running are, are, are great. Um, you know, just the way he's able to motivate these guys, that's going to translate to the next wave of guys that come in and the next. Um, and like I said, you know, some of the things they're running, the principles on defense that they're, that they're able to do uh, it starts with the talent and all that, but he has been, uh, he has really, really impressed me this season as somebody who was uh, cautiously optimistic, I would say about what Juwan Howard is going to be able to do. I think he's come in and done a great job. And Brad Underwood's another guy in the conference who, has come in and I think, uh, you know, first couple of years, right. People were like, all right, you know, the big 10 is another animal. The big 10 is a beast and he has proven to be up for the challenge himself and it doesn't hurt to have guys like I own Kofi and, uh, and all those guys as well. So it's, it's, uh, you know, I think they're similar in that way. Uh, that, you know, Brad Underwood has really, really proven himself in the last couple of years. And Juwan Howard seems to be doing that in his, you know, first really, really good year at Michigan, his second year overall. Yeah, I agree. I think these, they're two guys, both that get their guys to play hard. You know, they, it's amazing how that is. They both, you know, we talk X's and O's, but they seem to have great demeanor with their team, yeah. both guys. I mean, it doesn't mean they don't get on them. doesn't mean they're, but they, they're players, coaches, they really support their guys and their guys get after it for them. I mean, it's been it, both these teams, they're going to play hard tomorrow night, regardless of what the scoreboard says, these they're going to get after it. And uh, mm -hmm. of course there, maybe there's a little edge to it too. So that makes it even more exciting. So, yeah, I, uh, if you remember when uh, like Michigan played Brad Underwood's Oklahoma state team, in the NCAA yeah. tournament in 17. And I mean, that was a game that came down to the wire. Michigan kind of controlled it and Oklahoma state, 
they scored like 20 points in the last like three minutes and didn't give up. And the whole time those guys are playing, you know, that he kind of played more of that pressure defense at that point, but yeah. um, it, it was impressive. And when he came to Illinois, like guys like Trent Frazier and, and those types of guys that he has there, it's like a guy like that's never going to let up. So yeah, like Michigan might be up 12 points, you know, with, or, you know, and you could flip this to Illinois being up 10 or 12 points with a couple of minutes to go. Like neither team is going to back down to that. And it's going to, you know, they're going to play to the buzzer. So uh, yeah, they, they, we, they got some two, uh, two good motivators on each sideline uh, for tomorrow night's game. So I get, so i put you on the spot. Last thing here. What, what's your prediction for tomorrow? You probably got to write it in the, in your uh, story, but what's your prediction for tomorrow? I know I haven't, totally nailed it down yet so this could change but i'll try to stick to this i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with uh michigan 78 to 70 i know the line's at like eight and a half and that kind of assumes that io's not gonna play um so i guess you know i'm very close to vegas there i assume that they are kind of running under that assumption as well um but if he plays, I mean, we saw what he did last year at Chrysler with that game-winning shot with Xavier Simpson in his face. So if it yeah. is a close game at all, Illinois may have the best closer in college basketball, and that's obviously a huge factor. Uh, but I think Michigan will be able to uh, control this one and win semi-comfortably, but uh, it's going to be a heck of a game, I think, because this team's not going to let up, and the same goes for Michigan. Yeah, I think it'll be a little bit like the Michigan-Ohio State game, except with better defense. Um, I think it'll be a little lower scoring. I don't think it's going to get up in the 90s. But yeah. I think you're going to see a game that Michigan it's kind of tight, and Michigan may open it up and could lead by 10. But I have it 76-69 is what I was going with, uh, Michigan over Illinois, and not expecting Desumu to play. So um, either way, mm -hmm. so I think it's going to be a fun one, no doubt. Um, Clayton Safey from the uh, Michigan Rivals site uh, coming on to join us appreciate you coming on man thanks for ha uh joining us we uh we're gonna have a game in about 24 hours from this uh from this podcast so uh it's gonna be a lot of fun